Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Talk on Tech. I am Patrick Smith, and today we have another one of our interview-only episodes. Today I'm here with a native Ohioan, Randy Basil. Hello, Randy. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Pretty good. So most of our interviews, Randy, have been with people who typically have lived around West Virginia and have gone to Mount West or gone to Marshall, and I really wanted to be able to talk to you because... I know, as we're going to learn, you have a bachelor's degree. Many of the people that I've talked to haven't, so I thought that would be an interesting journey. But also, you really aren't that far away from from Huntington area, and I think it would be interesting to hear about what it was like in the Cold Grove, Ironton area. So, usually what I ask most people when they do the podcast is, when did technology enter into your life? Uh, Well, I mostly... I really got into technology, I guess, when I was around 13 years old. My grandfather actually got into it first. He built me my first computer. And cool. Yeah, he kind of encouraged me to cool get grandpa. into it. Yeah. And um, he told me that was going to be, you know, the way people were going to do things in the future. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what type of computer it was? Yeah, it was a 48666DX. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was a little beige guy, really noisy really mm-hmm. slow i think i had uh maybe a 200 meg hard drive that and, was rocking uh, yeah i remember i had a, a quad speed cd-rom which was a big deal now was your cd-rom like the ones we have now where the tray pops out or the the cup holder pops out or did you have the one like i did where you had to put the cd into this little protective case and slide the case into the drive the one that i had was actually like one we have today it was a nice machine, though, and so, you know, he got me several programs and stuff to do things with it and some mm-hmm. games to play because we didn't have internet at the time, and, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of got started there, and then he what was, started... What was your operating system at that point? I had Windows 3.1. Uh, okay, okay. And uh, so then he started bringing me out, and he encouraged me to you know work on them and do things with them and Mm -hmm. build computers and things like that and so i started doing that and uh he started his own business after a period of time Mm -hmm. and he you know worked on computers for businesses people computers were still really expensive to build at the time and so you know not everyone had one not even by a long stretch so yeah, we built computers and did things like that. In the beginning, it was usually him doing most of the work and me helping him and him kind of showing me. So about what age would that have been? Probably about the time I was, I'd say, 15 oh, okay. or so. Okay. Is when I really started getting interested in it myself. By then, I was able to get on the Internet, and I started finding more and more things that I like doing on the computer. Mm-hmm. That's when I got really heavy into web design mm-hmm. and things like that i learned how to do html i learned how to do javascript and started making my own stuff and that was a way for me to you know do something different something that not everyone else was doing so at this point you were probably in high school were you able to take any classes that were fueling your uh, computer interests not really i mean my typing class my freshman year of high school mm-hmm. was on a typewriter do not feel bad, sir. My my keyboarding class I took at Wayne High School in 1997 yeah. was in a room full of typewriters. And, yeah. and honestly, I mean, it sounds it sounds bad to say it, uh, to think of it that way, but honestly, that was really good. 
Because you had no backspace key. You truly right. had to learn how to yeah, type. Yeah, you did have to learn to type. And mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed because we actually had two labs. We oh. had a computer lab and we had a typewriter lab. And I got stuck in the typewriter lab, and I was probably one of the few people in the entire school that actually really knew how to use a computer. <laughs> well, we had we had a typing class, and then we had a class called word processing. Now, that, right. that class got a little bit more sophisticated because in that room, they literally had, like, old IBM Acorns, like the right. original IBM computers. The big beige box where there was a giant on-off switch in the back right-hand corner, mm-hmm. there were two five-and-a-quarter drives. You could turn them on, walk to the end of the classroom, find your five-and-a-quarter floppy disk, walk back, and the machine had not even started to boot up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but the crazy thing was, that was the word processing room. If you were to have walked down to the to our library, which was pretty high-tech, we had a bunch, like you say, of 486s that were running... Windows 311, or at that point for me, they were on a Windows 95, but they had Trumpet. That was the TCP IP stack on top of it because Windows right. did not have TCP IP. Right. And we were running Novell. So it seemed really odd to me that I'm in a classroom using a computer that's from like 1977, yet down the library where a class is not necessarily being held, you've got brand new machines circa 1995-96. Right. It, it seemed backwards. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And, uh, I mean, we were the same way in a lot of aspects. Luckily for me, my high school really embraced technology. Oh, okay. Um, we had a principal at the time. His name was Craig Haney. Mm-hmm. And Craig actually ended up going on to work for Skoka, which was one of the primary network groups uh, in the state of Ohio, especially mm-hmm. working with education. And Skoka hosted all of the websites for all of the schools in the state of Ohio. It was South Central Ohio something. I, I don't remember what the rest of it stands for. But they were a very integral part of technology in all of the public schools in okay. the state of Ohio. And may have worked with the private schools, too. Okay. But um, Craig was our principal, and he was also our system administrator. Oh. So, now, that seems... That's odd. Right. Because usually when you, when you talk about like a Microsoft class or a Cisco class, they typically say just because someone is the CEO of the company does not mean they're the technical CEO and being the administrator. Right. But you actually had somebody who we was did. the authoritarian and the technology authoritarian too. Right. Yeah, we actually did. And then uh, we actually had another guy too who was – he was the band director at the time. Mm-hmm. His name was John Rappold. Mm-hmm. And he was – very very good with technology as well and he ended up leaving and going to skoka as well over the years but um my freshman year of high school they decided to start a technology intern program and they kind of handpicked four students to be in this program and because of my background and the work that i had done they already knew you know that i i knew a lot about it so i was one of the students that was picked for that and so we started our freshman year of high school, even though we didn't actually have any computer classes for those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I got to work personally with Craig with uh, Windows NT 4.0. Mm-hmm. And so I, I learned to do you know some of the server stuff with him. And then, um, I mean, they basically had us do everything. Uh, we learned to image the classrooms. Really? Yeah, so we figured out how to do that we didn't have anybody to teach us but they got us whatever software we said we needed mm-hmm. 
and then we figured it out and uh, we all just worked together you know through the years well by the time i was ready to graduate high school Mm -hmm. they didn't have anybody to take care of the computers oh um our technology coordinator at the time was not a super tech savvy guy right he knew a lot about them right he couldn't do a lot with it by then i'd worked with him for you know three or four years i I think he ended up coming in my sophomore year Mm -hmm. so they needed somebody and the day after i graduated i actually got a call early that morning from the superintendent at the school and he told me to get up and get dressed and come in for an interview that's awesome well i told him at the time i said i don't want to come in for an interview (laughs) and i've just been 13 years there (laughs) i don't want anything to do with it right and he told me again to get up and get ready and then told me somebody would be there to pick me up in 10 minutes (laughs) wow i guess the power of no did not work in that situation right yeah so i I really didn't even have an option but uh, it ended up being a great experience for me Mm -hmm. and so well it sounds like your all's technology program was was a lot better than anything I had access to. I thought you were going to say you were kind of a like a glorified library assistant where if it if a teacher needed one of the media carts to build a to watch a VCR tape of a Christmas story, you were the person that wheeled it down. <laughs> right. If someone couldn't log on the computer, you helped them. You actually mm-hmm. were a network technician helping lay everything oh, yeah. out. Yeah, and we learned how to do a lot of stuff and um at the time, I was the only one that had any experience doing any web stuff. So mm-hmm. I actually created our entire website Wow! Uh, for Dawson Bryant. And then we, uh, we helped several other local schools with the development of their stuff as well. If I'm not mistaken, I think we were one of the first schools in our area to hold a teleconference of any sort. Really? Yeah, and I'm trying to remember the name of... Uh, uh, I guess it was an old polycom system, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. And so we actually had a polycom system, and it was one of the first rooms that you would see when you walked into our high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember. It seems like it was Ted Strickland actually came in. Really? Yeah, to do this conference call. And he would have been the governor at that time, I think? Um, no, I don't think so. I think he was... Uh, because that's definitely a name I'm familiar with right. hearing. I think he was a member of the House of Representatives at the time, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he came in, and this was going to be on a Saturday. And I think I was a senior in high school at the time, but I was the only one that knew how to work the equipment. And we'd only used it once or twice before. Mm-hmm. And I had to go in that morning and get this ready for, uh, you know, this big official who was coming in so i was pretty terrified but we made it through it and then uh my primary task at hand when i got hired on was to get everything y2k compliant right because that was the big deal then and everybody was really worried about it yeah i mean we actually we had a lot of technology available to us we only had two labs we had the one for uh keyboarding you know Mm -hmm. your freshman year of high school and then we had what was basically an open computer lab. And then our library also had some computers. Mm-hmm. And thinking back, I think it was about the same setup. Our library usually had the newest stuff. By the time I graduated, I think we had at least one computer in every classroom. Wow. So, And then by the time I left out there, I think we had between two and four in every classroom. At the time you were going out there, I... 
I have some limited knowledge of the way um, Ohio school system works. Like you're you're kind of similar to West Virginia because when I was going through school, we had the vocational schools, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe you all call career and technical centers. And so, right. when I was in school, though, the big focuses that we had at our vocational schools were mainly welding, automotive, HVAC, maybe like horticulture stuff like growing plants. There wasn't really computers at that point. When when you were going through there at Dawson Bryant, were the CTCs that you had local, the uh, the career and technical centers, were they already doing anything with technology? Uh, very little at the time. Shortly after I graduated, which was in 99, mm-hmm. is when they really started doing that kind of stuff. Our high school even did that. I, if I would have been... You know, if I would have started in 2000, mm-hmm. we actually started offering Cisco NA plus at our high school. Yeah, that was that was me. We ended up they moved right. the vocational school to to the high school because yeah. you had to truck people there at one point. But then they started offering a Cisco program at the high school level. Yeah, and I hear at this and, point Dawson Bryant even today they're one of the few high schools that still have a lot of it programs whereas most of the schools over there you go to collins now correct that's right, where you yeah. get your stuff but dawson yeah, bryant's still the there collins career center mm-hmm. um which when i was still in high school they did call it the vocational center it was still collins but it was the vocational center mm-hmm. but then they made that switch into collins career center right they started in doing a lot of technical stuff and they had a guy who i actually worked with for a while in huntington his name was Dennis Tracy, mm-hmm. and Dennis was phenomenal. And he had certifications. He had a list of them as long as my arm. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he, he just knew everything. And, you know, he was not an old guy, but, I mean, he was probably in his late 40s, early 50s, mm-hmm. and was just getting into this stuff. And, I mean, when he hit it, he really hit it hard. And I think he's the one who really come into Collins and got all of the stuff up and running and they started doing the a plus there and you could go through cisco there and get your ccna and then uh, after a period of time then more of the comp ts stuff started getting popular mm-hmm. uh, your net plus and security plus and things like that but um yeah i think when i think when they first got into it they were still doing some microsoft stuff as well i don't Mm -hmm. know that they still do right but yeah the career and technical centers you know they kind of really become a thing where you could go somewhere and you could get enough of an education or certifications to where you could come out of there and you could actually get a job and you could do things Mm -hmm. Um, and even some of our high schools i mean dawson bryant was one yeah it'd be great to finish high school and have a ccna and an a plus sure yeah I i i completely agree yeah, and they got it free. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have to pay any additional fees or anything. Well, wow. you would just choose that as, you know, you were going to be a, a tech major instead of a college prep major right. or in addition to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, it does seem now, at least, Dawson Bryant, I know, still has that. But it seems from what I've heard, most of the other surrounding Ohio schools, if you go to that school, you're a college prep. If you want to go ahead and do the IT stuff, then you go to Collins to go ahead and get the technical side of that. But Dawson right. Bryant still keeps some of that locally as well. Yeah, yeah, they That's have really cool. a, they have a little bit of it. Um, mm-hmm. As far as I know, they just do the A plus and uh, CCNA now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. Most of the people who do want to participate in a program like that at this point do have to go, uh, which they can still do in high school. Well, sure. And the state of Ohio can even do in college now. Really? Uh, with our College Credit Plus program, they can actually start taking college courses in the seventh grade. Wow. And they can take up to enough hours to have a bachelor's degree by the time they graduate high school. That is amazing. Yeah, that's something they implemented this year in the state of Ohio. So in that regards, would would they skip going to Collins and go straight to Ohio University? They would either come to our university or one of the instructors from that school would become, um, I don't really want to say certified. I don't know what the actual requirement is, but they have to be um they, they have to represent our university. Mm-hmm. And so they will come through whatever trainings and stuff we say they need to have. And they'll get to the point to where we feel like they can adequately teach those courses. And they can teach those at the high school. Or the kids can actually come to our university. Mm-hmm. Or any other university or even a community college or anything like that. Wow. In the state of Ohio. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it's really neat. Because when I was in high school, you had, if you were lucky, you had dual credit classes right. where you were taking the class to high school and getting a grade. And then that high school would partner with Marshall University, for example. Mm-hmm. And then, like you kind of said, that person was certified to teach that class. They might have already been an adjunct there. Right. And then you had to pay a little bit of money to take that class. Mm-hmm. And then, the, you know, my sister back in the day she took ap classes where right. at the very end you took a test and if you passed the test you got the credit whereas when i was doing dual credit you were in the same class it wasn't a pass or fail you might have got a, a b or a c in the class too so right. that's really cool yeah and we kind of uh, we had something similar when i was in high school as well and we called it post-secondary option and you could elect to go to college instead of high school or in addition um the downside of the College Credit Plus program is that if they fail classes at a college level, it's still going to impact them. When they get to college? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, not even that, but in high school or middle school, wherever they happen to be. Right. They could actually you know, fail out of high school if they're taking all these college courses and they can't make the grades. So, Oh, wow. Because that's applying for your credits to get to the next grade. Absolutely. So... You know, that's something we've tried to really express to, you know, all of the parents of the younger people that are participating. I mean, these grades are still important for where they're at right now. This doesn't just affect them at a college level. So I guess as long as they're mature enough to come in and, you know, actually hang in there and do the coursework and everything, then they'll be okay. But it's kind of risky, I think, especially seventh graders. Yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, that's amazing. I wasn't ready for college classes in the seventh grade. No, no. I mean, <laughs> and and I, I'm actually, I'm sure we'll we'll hear about that with you know your post high school stuff. But I it took me a while to figure out where I needed to be when I went to right. college. So yeah. that's pretty crazy. So you are you graduated from Dawson Bryant the very next day. They said, Hey, guess what? You're you're not leaving. We're yeah. gonna actually pay you to be here this time, though. Yeah. So you're working there as their IT guy, basically. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Do you immediately move on to college and also retain that job, or, or where do you go from there? Well, I did go into college um, straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. I uh, I went to Ohio University in Ironton, mm-hmm. and I went there 
I completed my first quarter. I did fine. I started in computer pre-engineering. Okay. And so I had a I had a math course. I think it was Math 113, college level algebra, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I had Turbo Pascal. I think C. It was either C or C plus plus. I think it was just C. Okay. And then had another course or two. I can't remember what all I took. I got through my first quarter okay. Um. And by the way, I just want to bring up, you mentioned quarters. For people out there yes. who aren't aware, if you're accustomed to a semester, which is 16 weeks, and there's typically a fall, a spring, and maybe some sort of shortened summer, your all's quarters, mm-hmm. how, how did those work in the span of, of a normal year? Um, quarters, I think, were either 12 or 13 weeks. Really? Okay. Yeah. And then we had a lengthy winter break and a very lengthy summer break mm-hmm. and then we had decent sized breaks in between all of the other quarters as well okay so you would actually have um three three possible terms is that right still yeah well technically four uh summer generally didn't count so you oh, had uh because i'm thinking if they if they didn't change since you were taking them when mm-hmm. i was teaching over there originally as quarters they were 10 weeks so I knew we. I knew I taught a fall Maybe quarter. Been. Yeah, I think there was a fall, a winter. Hey, you're right. A fall, yeah, a winter, winter, a spring, and then summer, and then a summer. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's what we had at the time, and which now we're on semesters, mm-hmm. uh, just like everyone else. Finally, right. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I made it through my first quarter, and everything was okay. And then I got into my second quarter, and I just I, I wasn't feeling it. I didn't and, want to be there. And you said your option, what, what was your degree you were seeking? Computer pre-engineering at the time. And was that an associate level or a bachelor's level um, degree? That was going to be an associate level degree. Okay. At which point in time I would switch to computer engineering. Oh, okay. And I would, uh, I could have only finished maybe my first year. At so the Iron campus. That's the pre-engineering part. Because I was thinking right. computer pre-engineering. I was trying to think, are you putting the parts together for a computer? But I, I follow you now. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have we have a lot of pre-courses. And generally what that means is you're taking the prereqs and everything to get into this course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't even remember for certain. Now that I think about it, I don't even think there was an associate degree involved with it. It was just a bachelor's degree. Well, there prob- was probably some options, you that's know. Probably an awful lot like the medical field where you're you're pre med. You know, you're right. taking those prerequisite courses to then get into that program that's gonna lead to, to the bachelor's or further. Yeah. yeah, very similar. And so like I said, I may have been able to finish my first year and that would right. have been you know, mostly just uh, electives and, you know, my very basic classes, like my one oh one classes and everything. General uh, education stuff. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. And we did have some comp science classes that we could take, but it was pretty limited. So I would have done maybe a year in Ironton and then I would have had to have gone to Athens mm-hmm. to finish. But yeah, I got into my second quarter and I there was just other things I would rather be doing. I wasn't ready for college. And I mean at the time I didn't really need anything other than my skill set to get a good job you already had a good job yeah and i mean and even if i wanted to go somewhere else it was so in demand all i had to do was walk in and show them what i could do and they were going to snatch me up i mean it got to the point for a long time i couldn't even go to the grocery store really because people would mob me 
and everybody would have questions. I felt like a rock star. It was ridiculous. And <laughs> so, I mean, I would go into hiding mm-hmm. you know, sometimes <laughs> because I didn't want to have to, you know, deal with all that stuff. So I, I didn't need anything at the time, and it felt like a total waste to me. And so I dropped out. And then I actually, I dropped out of OU. I went to Marshall. I enrolled at Marshall, but I never signed up for, I, I got admitted, but I never actually signed up for any classes. But you were still continuing to work for Dawson Bryant? I did. And while I was in my, um, while I was in my first quarter at OU, that's when I actually came to the Marshall University Community and Technical College to go through their Cisco program that they offered. Okay, which so yeah. we talked about earlier. Yeah, just to just to clarify that, whereas a student would go now to OU and sign up for uh, the two year program for Cisco, and they would take the first Cisco class, the first semester, and so on and so forth. You you weren't doing that. Dawson Bryant paid for you to go and basically get trained. You were doing an accelerated course, which right, which was more like you going to a for profit company who wasn't even going to give you a letter grade. You right. were going strictly for the training to then be able to set up the certification and, yeah. and, and have the know-how. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was very fast-paced. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good course. But it was so much information to jam in such a short period of time. Oh, yeah. And especially considering, in addition to that, I'm taking regular college courses, and I was working a full-time job. Oh, because you're still enrolled full-time at OU at that right. point. Yeah, wow. So, so it was kind of rough. I made it through that and somehow survived it. It, it was interesting. So so you had taken that, mm-hmm. like let's say you were saying in your first, your first quarter. Right. Let's say fall quarter, just to throw out there. Yeah. By the, by the next fall, you are no longer taking classes at OU. Correct. Yeah, actually by the summer. But but you're saying the following fall, you at least did your admissions to Marshall University to possibly take courses at the community college that was part of Marshall University at the time. Well, I was actually going to go to just Marshall University, and I was going to go through their comp science program. And I was actually signing up for their spring semester. So I had done the fall and gone into the winter quarter at OU. And that's when I decided to leave there. And almost immediately after leaving there, I come up to Marshall and I applied there. Was your was your feeling that it was going to be a less of a drive to Huntington than you'd have to inevitably go to Athens? Well, it was kind of that. I also had a lot of friends that were going to Marshall. Okay. So I guess that kind of influenced me. Uh, Marshall did have a sports program, which I was still oh, yeah. interested in at the time, too. Mm-hmm. But because Pruitt was still around, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was right after Moss had left. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Marshall had actually become pretty popular at the time. Yep. Yeah. All in all, it just kind of got back around to the same thing of why am I going to waste my time and money going to school when I've already got a decent job? I could probably get a better one if I want, and. You know, I have to hide from people now. So, right. Yeah. What could I possibly need any kind of education for? I already know everything. Exactly. Well, but at 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 the time when you're hot, so to speak, 
you don't necessarily think of there's going to be a time when you're no longer going to be hot or sought out. You, I right. mean, you know, it just it inevitably happens that way. Yeah, no, I could have never imagined a time when I wouldn't have been in high demand. <laughs> never could have. But, yeah, it certainly did happen. So you're still at Dawson Bryant. You're currently not doing any college. Where where does a change take place from that point? Uh, from there, I was with Dawson Bryant for around two or two and a half years. Okay. And I decided to move on to mm-hmm. find a better opportunity. Because like I said in the beginning, I didn't want to go there anyway. Right. I was kind of strong-armed in the coven, which... And now I'm grateful because it was a great experience for me Mm -hmm. um, because I got to, well, I was our system administrator. I was also our networking guy and I was also our phone guy. And we had an old North Star telephone system, PBX telephone system. And so I got some exposure to that and I learned a lot and they sent me through a lot of other trainings and stuff. So I I got my A plus, I went through Cisco. I did some Windows NT admin stuff. You know, I got to go through a whole lot, but ultimately I just wanted to kind of get away from there and, you know, move somewhere else. I actually kind of wanted to get out of the area altogether, but that just never seemed to happen. Did so. you did you have a, um, a wish list when it came to where you would move? Well, at the time, I had been going back and forth a lot to Maryland, and I liked Maryland mm-hmm. really well. I kind of wanted to go there. But then, at the same time, I was a teenager, and I didn't want to leave my friends. So sure. I still wanted to stay around here. And it was kind of funny because out of my whole group of friends, I was the only one that ever wanted to leave the area. And when it was all said and done, I was the only one that didn't. <laughs> yeah, that that is rather uh, coincidental. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I ended up leaving Dawson Bryant. I got a job offer to work for a company called Mr. Micro. Uh, which was in Raceland, Kentucky. Still is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I believe so. Mm -hmm. And so I went over there. I worked there for a while. It it was a decent decent period of time, and they basically hired me because they needed not just a field technician, but a field technician who could network. Uh, A lot of businesses were really starting to, you know, network their whole operation Mm -hmm. then. And so you had all of these computers you know, in a big building, and you needed somebody who knew what they were doing to come in and do all of that stuff for you. And and for, for people who aren't aware of Mr. Micro, when you drive by it, it looks like your stereotypical place where you expect to see a giant sign that says computer repair. You could take your computer there to work on it. But I would say, of course, all the local businesses know that they could contract with Mr. Micro to come in and set up their local networks and explain to the end users there how to get them to work and stuff like that so you were a lot more than a a break fix company at that point oh yeah absolutely and uh i mean we had contracts with most of the big businesses in the area Heiner's, when verizon opened a big office down there in ashland we Mm -hmm. did all of their stuff for them um we all of us were also uh certified dell hp compact Mm -hmm. gateway you know, whatever brands were out at the sure. time, we were all certified technicians through them. I was a certified printer repair technician. I was certified to work on Epson, Brother, HPs. Uh, I can't even remember all the brands. It was a ridiculous number of them. Sure. Yeah, I worked there for a while. That was a pretty good experience for me, too. 
The only thing I didn't really like about that was I was our only field technician at the time. So you were the one that got to actually leave the office and drive to client locations? Right, and I was just going nonstop. And so I never, you know, had time to sit down and really work on anything. It was like when I first got hired in, one of the first things I had to do was pass all these certifications because I had to be able to do all of this stuff before I could go out in the field. Sure. And so I passed all my certifications, but then after that, it was just nonstop. And it just got kind of tedious. And if I wasn't, anytime I did go somewhere, it was almost like I was rushed because I always had, you know, four other clients that I had to get to by the end of the day. Well, you you were the superstar. You were the only one that could go out there and get it done. Right. And, I mean, they didn't want to pay me overtime. So right. I had to fit it all into eight hours. And, you know, also account for that, the time it's going to take me to drive back to the office because mm-hmm. we drove a company car. I see. So I had to make sure that I got back there. So it just really kind of wore me out over time. And I didn't mind doing that kind of work, but I preferred doing it, you know, at my own pace. Right. You know, I didn't want to feel like I was always rushed. And yeah, I ended up getting away from there too. I guess I was there probably a year and a half. Well, you know, the, the reason why I knew Mr. Micro, I mean, mm-hmm. growing up in Wayne County, I, I never over here in West Virginia. I would have never heard of Mr. Micro until I took Scott's Microsoft classes. And when I did that, right. your you certification. Yes, you <laughs> had you had to go and sit for your certifications and right. at the time Microsoft either allowed you to go to a Pearson View testing center mm-hmm. or a Prometric. And um, at the time I would drive up to Taze Valley to a place called New Horizons that was up close to Charleston. They later moved up in Charleston, and then they just up and disappeared. Right. So I would say around yeah, the time of Windows... In Taze Valley. I, I remember. That's yeah. where I did my CCNA. Yeah, it was up there in that Kmart Plaza in Taze Valley. Right. When they disappeared, they were a Prometric company, and they well, they, they were Prometric and View. Microsoft, by that point, had gone Prometric only. Cisco had said, we're going to be View, so Microsoft said, well, we'll be Prometric. So they were picking their sides. The only other local Prometric testing facility I knew about was Mr. Micro. And so I quickly learned how to get to Raceland, Kentucky, because I took my Windows 7 test over there. I took several of my upgrade tests over there. So I would say when, let's see, when Scott left here, probably 2009 is when I had to start going over and taking my tests over Mr. Micro. Yeah. And I consistently took those until recently. Last summer, I had to certify in 2012. And their Prometric, their whole Prometric side was down. And I had all these vouchers that were second shot <laughs> vouchers that were going to, and that meant, you know, you could take it if you failed it, use the same voucher a second time for free. Right. They were all dying in June. And so I suddenly was down to the wire. So I was forced and I live in Ironton, I was forced to sign up to take tests up in Bridgeport. Oh, no. I had a four-hour drive for three days in the span of two weeks to go and take these tests because <laughs> I was I was determined I was not going to lose these vouchers I had paid for. Yeah. And so since then, I've yet to have to recertify. Uh, and plus, Microsoft has gone back to where you can do View now instead, so it's much easier to find a place. But right. also... We're about two weeks away from having our testing center back up, so I should hopefully never have to even leave the building right. anymore. Yeah, hopefully not. But, 
yeah we did offer that there too and that's mm-hmm. actually where i i did my a plus yeah and um that's how i met the guy who owned the place mm-hmm. uh, rick and after i finished it he and i were just kind of talking and i asked him i said hey why don't you give me a job and jokingly yeah jokingly and he told me right then he said well if you really want one he said i will and so when i left awesome Bryant, that was who i went to then i just <laughs> went in and i said is rick here and i didn't even know if he was the one that actually owned the place or if he was just <laughs> right. a manager or what right and i went in and asked for him and he come out front and i said hey i'm here to take you up on that offer i want that job and uh he said all right when are you gonna start (laughs) (laughs) never filled out an application no interview process anything sometimes Um, you have to um you have to have you know the guts to do that i guess yeah you don't know until you try right but i mean he was there so he saw and i blasted right through my a plus and um talked to him you know for a little while then that day as he was asking me what i did and everything and i told him and you know we just kind of chatted back and forth and so i guess he liked you know the certifications i had and what what i had done right and so yeah he was happy to get me a job and he was very good to me i liked it just like i said i was just the only field tech and it got to the point to where i wasn't really enjoying what i did anymore and that's why i went in this field i like doing what i do yeah i was gonna say from knowing ahead of time where your story's going so far, you've been on the technology path for a lot, but there, of course, has to be a couple, you know, curveballs thrown in, or the story wouldn't be interesting. So, right at at some point, you uh, you turn your back on technology. Yeah, I absolutely did, and I was just done with it. Um, like I said, I, I got to the point I didn't really enjoy it anymore, and I wanted to get away from it. After I left Mister Micro, I had trouble finding a decent job in technology because all of these places I went wanted degrees. And so suddenly I was faced with a problem that I had never anticipated. So I would say, you know, in your defense, Mr. Micro, you never had to fill out an application, but that's right. because Mr. Micro was kind of what <laughs> I would call a good old boys type It place. absolutely was, yeah. You, you shook their hand. It wasn't as so right. rigorous and professional that there was an HR department. But no. you, you wanted to find a job at a place that had an HR, like a, like a hospital or a school, where you right. were going to have to have some credentials behind you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the first thing I ran into was after I left Mr. Micro, Briggs Library was hiring a technology coordinator. It was, uh, it was paying really well. And, I mean, I read through it, and I could do everything they wanted. And is that, I went in. Is that the, the local public library in Ironton? Yeah, in Ironton and South Point, And I think they had a couple other locations. But that oh, okay. was what I was going to do. I was going to take care of all their computer stuff for, you know, all of their sites. Okay. And so they had uh, a committee that was doing the hiring. And I got interviewed by a committee there. And everything went really well. And so they asked me, you know, what were supposed to be these difficult technology questions and i blew them away you know i was able to show them not one answer but i could show them five answers to everything they asked me wow and so they were really impressed and i was 19 mm-hmm. maybe 19 well no i was a little older than that. i was probably 20 21 sure and uh 
So, you know, everything, I felt like it was in the bag. I, I wasn't even concerned about not getting the job. And so they ended up calling me a couple of days later and they told me that, you know, they loved me in the interview. Everything went great and that I was definitely their second choice. Wow. That's not the last sentence you expect to hear. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, reason being another guy that applied for the job had a bachelor's degree in computer science and he also had about between five and ten years of experience in the technology field the guy i was talking to told me then he said a lot of the committee members liked you you know even more than this guy that we're going to hire but he has a degree and so yeah you know that just embedded it even further you know sure and so now i'm in a situation where well i should have really done that so at that point i decided well okay i need to go back to college okay um but not for technology no well originally it was going to be even though that's not really what i wanted to do anymore um but i went back and i started back in my pre-engineering and started going through these introduction to computer courses and you know things like that which were terrible terrible things to sit through you know for somebody that actually had an idea what they were doing yeah um, but then they also um, completely got rid of the computer pre-engineering program. Oh. And so then it was going to be me switching to comp science. And at that point, I couldn't do anything else in Ironton. And I didn't want to go to Athens at the time. Uh, my wife and I were getting ready to have our son. Mm-hmm. And I was newly married. And that, That's some serious roots to yeah, be putting and down. Yeah, I had bought a house in Colgrove where I lived and so I didn't want to go to Athens and so I started looking through and I was looking at some of our our other programs that we offered down there and I saw nursing on there I said well I kind of always did want to be a doctor (laughs) this isn't quite a doctor but (laughs) you know it's in the medical field (laughs) yeah so I I couldn't have afforded to go to medical school anyway so that was the closest I was going to get right and um so, yeah, so I saw the nursing program, and, you know, I'd always been a little interested in the medical side of things, and I dove right into it. How'd that go? Well, I mean, I made it through. Okay, okay, well, good answer, good answer. <laughs> it uh, it didn't necessarily go well first when I first started, because I was in a very foreign situation. I was actually the guy who had no idea what was going on when I went into it, because I didn't have any kind of background in this whatsoever. Is it more because people who were coming in were straight out of high school and there might have been prep classes in high school now that they could have had that were not available to you? Absolutely. We had some of that. And then we also had people who had worked in the medical field for 20 plus years. Uh, We had people in their 40s and 50s who were coming in there to go through our program so they could be RNs because they worked all these years making 10 or $12 an hour and RNs were making 25 Oh, I see. And um, in a lot of scenarios, after working with some of those people, I understood why. Because I I worked with LPNs. I was an RN, Mm -hmm. and they knew more about it than I did. (laughs) Oh. And I got paid considerably more than them. Right. But I was new. I was right out of school. They'd been doing this for all these years. And so they're standing in there teaching me how to do something. 
and so i mean i understood then why that why a lot of them went back but right yeah instead of being the guy in the room that was sitting there bored because i already knew everything they were talking about i went to being the guy in the room who was really paying attention taking notes trying to learn everything i could about this because i had no idea what was going on (laughs) the funny thing is they they were kind of on the same path you were earlier Mm -hmm. you said i need to go back and get a degree but i know all this stuff suddenly you switched over to the medical field and they were saying i already know all this stuff i need Uh to get a degree so i can make more money yeah absolutely so so they were doing that on the medical track when Mm -hmm. you just decided to jump over to the medical side right well you remember when we were really getting into the technology field in the 90s Mm -hmm. uh, late 90s early thousands there were a lot of people that were going into the same field yes there was there was a glut of people Mm -hmm. most of them weren't very good no there was a handful of people who were really good but most of the people they didn't really know much about it it was the the hot thing to do and and also there was yeah there was an excess of people and then suddenly the dot-com bubble burst mm-hmm. and any companies that were hiring people suddenly became frigid with it. They, right. Nobody was hiring anybody. Yeah, and that's what happened. And then, I mean, in my opinion, it gave us IT folks a bad name because they had a bunch of these people who had a bachelor's degree that, you know, said, oh, well, you know, I know computer science because I can do this and I've got this degree. But in reality, they didn't really know much at all about how to do things. Or, or they said, I have this degree called management information systems. <laughs> right. I know all about computers. And I'm like, no, you know about business, but you <laughs> right. don't know about computers. Yeah. I mean, coming right out of school, I mean, there's a lot you have to learn. And mm-hmm. I feel like IT is one of those fields where even now that I finally you know, have my bachelor's and everything, I still feel like my experience was far more valuable to me than anything else, uh, than anything I ever learned in any class that I took. The biggest problem is getting that employer to take that leap of faith on you if you don't have that degree. And they won't. That's correct, yeah. They just won't. That's and, a risk they don't want to take. And now an associate's degree is becoming the new high school diploma. Ten years from now, I'd be surprised if you could get a job working in fast food without an associate degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it just made a whole world of difference. But, yeah, so that was one of the primary reasons why I was really frustrated. I needed the degree, but then there were so many people that were in the IT field then. And even though I knew that most of them didn't deserve to be in the positions they had, who was I to, to right. prove that? You know, I couldn't. So, yeah, so I went into the nursing field, and I don't regret it. It was an incredibly difficult program for me because, like I said, I didn't have any prior knowledge going into it. And so I actually had to learn everything from the start. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was tough getting through it, but I ended up, in the long run, I really enjoyed the program, and I had a real sense of satisfaction when I finally finished it. When I went and took my NCLEX RN exam, which was, you know, to become a certified registered nurse. Mm-hmm. I expected it to be, you know, one of the hardest tests I'd ever had, right up there with the CCNA. And you would uh, have been taking that at a like a Pearson View or a Prometric. Oh yeah, correct? it was Pearson View. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, so I went to Charleston and I took it, and I was really nervous going in because, I mean, through the nursing program, I was a B student. 
because it was, and I was very gracious to have those fees. But uh, I went up there and I, I knocked it out of the ballpark. I mean, uh, our program was so good and it was so hard that if you made it through the program, I mean, it was almost impossible to fail the test. Do you remember? I mean, I know when it comes to Microsoft, seven hundred a passing score, and mm-hmm. that's just their that's just their fancy way of saying a seventy. Right. Do you remember approximately what you were expected to get on it to have a passing score? Uh, well, the NCLEX RN exam was an adaptive exam, oh. like the A-plus used to be. Wow, yeah. And once you reached a passing mark, it stopped. You yeah. were done. Um, and so for the people out there who don't know what adaptive tests are, you don't give 50 questions. No. Instead, they'll ask you a question about sewing a suture. And if you get that question wrong they'll ask you another question about sewing a suture. Yes. And they will just hammer you on your weaknesses, and then they'll maybe jump around, but they're they're kind of like a, a wolf testing the fence, looking to see what you mm-hmm. know and what you don't know. And yeah. so you may get 25 questions. You may get 40 questions. I, yeah. used, I used to always hear, you can get by with 25 questions in these, like these tests, for example. <laughs> and if you start getting around 35 or 40, you better start sweating because you are right. on the bubble. And yeah. you don't know if that next question is going to fail you or pass you. I think the minimum number of questions we could have was 90. Wow. You had to have at least that many. I went a little over that. Mm-hmm. I think I was around 102 when mine stopped. We did have some people that hit the 90 mark and they were done. Wow. Um, but... Yeah, I think for, I ended for up. the better. Hopefully, <laughs> no, yeah, well, not like oh, you, yeah. ninety. That's enough. You can you can well, leave you can leave the building now. Yeah. Well, the year I graduated from our program, we had a ninety-eight percent pass rate on the wow. RN exam. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean it was it was a tough test, and then Clex RN exam was infamous for having questions they called multiple multiples, which were multiple choice questions. All of the answers were right, and they would say choose the best four. And they give you eight answers. And so out of those eight answers, you need to pick the two or the four or the three or however many they tell you that are the three best out of the eight right answers. And those were brutal. So like they're they're all realistically correct answers, but they're they want all, you the preferred method. They're all absolutely correct answers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to pick the best ones that apply to that situation. Wow. So it was pretty tough, but um, yeah, I got through it, and then I was a registered nurse. <laughs> so what did you do with your registered nurse certification? Uh, well, while I was in school, finishing my nursing degree, I got hired as a nurse extern at King's Daughters Medical Center in Ashland, and I worked there, and they encouraged me to go ahead and apply for a job there, which I did, and I got hired as a registered nurse nearly a year before I graduated. So I know what an intern is. Like that's somebody mm-hmm. you pay to work for you and they don't necessarily have a secure job. But what's an extern? Even after doing it, I honestly don't know that I can answer that question. It felt like the same thing to me. Do you think you were um, a consultant that could be fired at any time in that regard? Like, yeah, like you weren't even likely. an employee? Right. Yeah, it was probably more similar to that. And we were very limited in our duties what Mm -hmm. we could do because we didn't have any kind of licensure at that point at all so for me i'm a i'm a big guy so i got to sit one-on-ones with problematic patients 
Um, usually people who were violent that wanted out of their bed that were heavily medicated. Well, you just you I, you walk into their room, literally have to <laughs> duck as you walk through the door, and they probably calm down real quick. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, and that's what it was. You know, I was a big guy, so it was, hey, you're going to go sit in this room, or there's something really heavy over there. Will you pick it up for me? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and when I wasn't doing that, I went around and I checked blood sugars and, you know, do things like that. And, and basically just... I take blood pressures on all the patients and I worked in a our heart and vascular center on the cardiac step down unit and most of the patients we got were relatively critical care patients and so we had to watch them all pretty closely I mean I might have some patients I had to take their blood pressure every 15 minutes for three hours and um, so I'd have to go in you know, I pretty much by the time I was ready to leave their room I had to go right back in I actually liked it. So they hired me. And you said they, they hired you a year before you actually started? Is that what you said? Before I graduated. Oh, yeah, I see. Before I even passed my boards. And I never really understood that either. That's one of the, that was one of the very strange things to me about being in this field. And they seem to do things like that a lot. And maybe not just with nursing, but. Maybe they wanted to lock you in. Well, I think that's basically what it was about. And, you know, I already worked over there as an extern, and so I applied for the job. They Is that where you had in. to do your clinicals? Well, I did clinicals at Cabell, St. Mary's, um, Southern Ohio Medical Center, King's Daughters, Belfont, uh, all the local Well, I just thought, like, hospitals, yeah. you know, in in the IT realm, if you do your labs in a classroom – Mm-hmm. employers don't see you. Right. But if you have to go to an actual hospital to do class work, right. then they are being exposed to you and your methods and your good habits and possibly your bad habits. So maybe right. that's why they were able to you know, take notice of you and say, we like this person based on the class work they're having to do over here in our establishment. Right. And in addition to that, you had a clinical supervisor who went with you who was also an employee of that hospital. Oh, okay. And when they had you there, anything you did could make them lose their license. Oh, wow. So if I went in and I gave somebody the wrong medication or something like that, they were responsible for me. I mean, they worked very hard to get where they were at, and so they watched you very carefully, and there was no room for error. So make sure you give the humans human blood and cats the feline blood. Correct, yeah. And, and not the opposite. Yeah, no mistakes. <laughs> uh, there there are no acceptable mistakes in that field. But, yeah, so I did that, and they hired me at King's Daughters. And um, after I graduated, passed my boards and everything, then I started my orientation there as an actual registered nurse. And... So, the, so they just told you a year ahead of time, oh, you'll have a job for us in a year. Oh, yeah. But you, so, you weren't interning or anything there. Well, I, I was externing there at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you were kind of a part-time guy for a year, and then they would bring you on full-time. Right. Okay. Yeah, so okay. that's kind of how it worked. And uh, okay. since I already worked there and, you know, nobody had said anything bad about me and I did my job, I showed up and things like that. Sure. Um, when I went in for my interview, it was a five-minute you know, talk and them basically just telling me, you know, this is what we're going to pay you and these are your benefits and your orientation starts then. 
And so, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, all I had to do was pass my boards, and I was golden. Cool. So, I did that. I started my orientation, and I was about on my second or third day. Yeah. Um, I think it was on the second day the CEO come in, and he was talking to us, and he said, you guys know all the other local hospitals in this area are making cuts. And he said they're you know, cutting back, they're laying people off, everything like that. Well, as long as you work at King's Daughters, you don't ever have to worry about having a job. Well, like, that's... That's that's usually a bit of foreshadowing for some really dark sense of humor that's coming up next. They called me at six thirty a.m. and told me my position was no longer available the next morning. <laughs> the next morning, <laughs> <laughs> and then King's Daughters had the biggest layoff in the history of their hospital. <laughs> um, and so, as one of the new nurses, did that CEO also leave? Well, I, no, I think he's actually still there, but he went on a very lengthy vacation after that. <laughs> I would say um, he was yeah, probably people, ran out on a rail. Yeah, people were not happy with him. But so, this was kind of a problem for me. Well, no, no job was a bit of a problem. I'd agree. Yeah. Well, but it wasn't just that. When you finish your nursing degree, you choose which state you're going to work in. I chose Kentucky. Oh, because King's daughter, because we're in a tri-state area, and King's daughter's in Kentucky. Right. Well, I chose Kentucky because I already had a job. They'd already hired me. As a result, I didn't even apply anywhere else. I didn't feel like I needed to. Um, I think the only hospital in the area at the time that paid more than King's daughters was St. Mary's. And which was in West Virginia, and you didn't say you were going to work in well, West Virginia. Which I could have if I would have wanted to, if I would have decided to have gone there instead. But that year, St. Mary's made it very clear that they were only going to hire a very small number of people. And I think they ended up hiring 13 new nurses. Was there any issues when you took your your CRN test that you had to take one that had West Virginia rules as opposed to Ohio rules or Kentucky. Cause you know, like lawyers are like that. You got to pass the bar in the, in the state you're in. Right. Um, I mean, not necessarily. Okay. No, I don't think so. So I, how, how long were you hitched to Kentucky as a state you were going to work in so you could change it? Well, that was the thing I chose Kentucky. So by law I had to work under another nurse, another registered nurse in the state of Kentucky for 90 days um, once I got my nursing license. I had to complete that within the first year or six months of Uh getting my license. So they laid me off. Well, by then, I was in the second orientation class, the second start date. So this was months and months after I've already passed my boards. And in the meantime, I had been working at OU. I, I think they contracted me for a while, and then I was a student worker down there. But you know, not for, but not for nursing. No, not for nursing. I was doing IT stuff there. Oh, okay. Because that's what I knew how to do. <laughs> so, so while you were going to school for nursing, you relied on getting jobs doing the technology side until until yeah. you could show people you were competent in that, too. Right, yeah, I had to. I mean, that was my only skill set. And so that's what I did. The whole time I was still in school at OU, I worked in the IT department. I was a student worker down there. Did all the same stuff I'd done anywhere else. And that was a good experience for me, too. And I got to know a lot of people. 
So, I, I mean, it was good. And I got to work a job that didn't really stress me out because I knew what I was doing while I was going through nursing school, which was very stressful for me. So I didn't have to worry about my job anyway. And you weren't the only IT person there, so you weren't no. being pushed the whole time. Right. Yeah, at the time there were, uh, we had one guy who was full-time, and then I think there were four or five of us that worked there part-time. And so, yeah, everything went pretty smoothly. And it was kind of one of those things where my nursing schedule was so hectic and things would change so abruptly that I almost had to work a job where I could essentially make my own schedule. Mm -hmm. And they kind of let me do that. That's great. Yeah, so that worked out for me. Yeah, so I relied heavily on my IT skills to make a little bit of money while I was in school because, like I said, I got married and I had a little boy now. And so I've got a wife and a kid and a mortgage and a car payment and all my other bills to pay. So I I didn't have the option to not work. Sure, but you have now accepted a position at King's Daughters. Mm -hmm. You are now in the middle of your orientation. Mm -hmm. So I'm imagining you have told OU, see you guys later. I mean, they told me a year ahead of time I was going to get this job. I'm getting this job. I'm -hmm. I'm going to the medical promise land. Yeah, and so absolutely no surprise. Uh, They knew in advance. Mm -hmm. And I I told them, this is my last day. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) a year from now, on this day, (laughs) I will be leaving. And so, you know, I told them, everybody knew. I did everything I could to, you know, make sure any new people that were coming in knew how to do everything we did. We were in the midst of a a little bit of a situation there then where we were making a lot of changes around the campus. And so I tried my best to help teach these new guys that were there, you know, how to do the stuff that I had generally done the whole time I'd been there. Nobody else really did because I did it. So I was showing them, and yeah, so then I left. And And the problem is, (laughs) yeah, you trained your replacement. Yes. And you left. Right. So the the hole that Mm -hmm. that you left out of is now filled. Is now yeah is now (laughs) filled. It's been swallowed up by people you have adequately trained. Yeah, for months because I knew this well in advance, and so I started training them you know, on everything that I possibly can so that they don't miss a beat once I'm gone. Sure. And so, yeah. So, And you're gone, and and, and the CEO says, you're always going to have a job at King's Daughter, (laughs) and about eight hours later, you get a phone call that, um, actually, let me me correct that. You you did have a job at King's Daughter. Right. Yeah, and so that was miserable. Uh, I'd imagine. And I I lost my job. And like I said, I didn't apply anywhere else. Right. Well, now it's too late to apply anywhere else. And so it was very depressing. And then I started looking around, and there was a hospital called St. Clair's in Moorhead that was still hiring some nurses. And that's where a few of the people that were in my class, my orientation class, ended up going. Because we were all in the same boat. We had to work. 90 days in the state of Kentucky before you could do anything else. And what's what would that drive have been like? More than an hour? An hour and a half wow. to two hours, depending on traffic. They were the lowest paying hospital in the state of Kentucky for RNs. 
and they wanted us to work eight-hour shifts. Wow. So I was going to be driving that five days a week, making, uh, I don't even remember. It was probably close to $8 under per hour what I was going to make at King's Daughters. But they kind of had you over a barrel. They did, except for me. I refused to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I'm not going but but then what do you do? Because like you say, you have you have a child, you have a, a mortgage, you have a car. Right. What 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 do you do? Well, to take care of my nursing licensure, after some very very lengthy research, I found out that Kentucky, as a compact state, would not allow me to transfer my license to a non-compact state like West Virginia or Ohio. So what does compact state mean? It was a group of states that kind of all shared the same standards. So it's it's almost like reciprocity, I guess. Kind of. Yeah. Like, well, if you work here and you're good enough to have your license there, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you you can do that. You don't have to recertify. Right. So we'll we'll take you. Well, Indiana was a compact state. Okay. And I was able to transfer my license to the state of Indiana. That let me bypass the 90 days that I had to work in the state of Kentucky. But then, to work as a nurse, I was going to have to work in the state of Indiana for a year, and then I would be able to move my license to wherever I wanted or get my license in addition um, to wherever I wanted. Because a lot of people that live in this area will be licensed in Kentucky, Ohio, and West Virginia. Yeah, because we can literally throw a rock and hit any of the states. Yeah, I mean, we're all right here. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was going to do. Well, right at about that time, the uh, the IT specialist at Ohio University abruptly left. So there was an opening for an IT person at Ohio University, and they called me. And they asked me if I would come in and work while he was gone because they needed someone in there full time. And so I agreed to that, which I was very happy about because I desperately needed a job then. And it just all kind of, you know, fell into place for me. I mean. So how much time do you think transpired between you getting the call that you were being let go from KDMC and you got a call saying, hey, you want to come work back here at OU? Four days. Four days. Yeah. I lo- Well, wow. four work days. Right. I left on a Friday as I started my orientation the following Monday. Mm-hmm. I worked Monday, Tuesday, laid off on Wednesday. Thursday, researched what I was going to do and uh, looked for jobs in the state of Kentucky where I could still get hired as a new graduate nurse because mm-hmm. nobody wanted us. They wanted people with experience. Then Friday morning, well, it was, it was either late in the morning or early in the afternoon, uh, getting the phone call back from Ohio University. So you got, you got laid off on a Wednesday and you got called on a Friday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, that was strictly on my merits of what I had done while I was there as a student worker. Um, because while I was there, you know, I, I did my job. I did what I was supposed to do. I came in when, I, when they needed me, even if it was on a time that I wasn't scheduled. You know, I knew what I was doing. And so I, I stuck around, and it really worked out for me. I mean, at that time, you know, I've my degrees in nursing right you know i i didn't have an actual degree in the technology field at the time 
So you are lucky because suddenly you have somebody who, through student work, doesn't mm-hmm. have to, quote unquote, take a chance on you because right. they know you. And so that's finally what you were looking for anyway. You were looking for somebody who would take your technology skills. Right. I yeah, mean, give me with, a chance because yeah, if yeah. you let me show you what I can do, then you're going to want me. Yeah, exactly. But like you said earlier, who's going to give you a chance if you don't have a degree that says I can do this? It's a catch-22. Yeah. I mean, they don't know you. Right. And why are they going to waste money on somebody that's, you know, says they can do something? Sure. It's just not going to happen. So you take the temporary position at yes. OU. Yeah. Um, I took the temporary position. And I did that for several months. I don't remember exactly how long. And then they posted the job. When they post the jobs there, they've all got to go through the main campus. Uh, So it can't just be, you know, a little local thing. Sure. Um, And it has to be open, you know, to whoever. Mm -hmm. So after they posted the job, I applied for it. Honestly, didn't think or have super high hopes that I was going to get it because, you know, I still didn't have that degree. You've got a nursing degree. Right, that yeah. I needed. Did you ever hear how many people apply for the position? I didn't, Oh, but there were several. Right. And, yeah, I didn't feel good about it at all. I really didn't. I remember I went in for a uh, – I had to do a phone interview. And even though it went through Athens, it was actually a committee – at our campus, at the Ironton campus. Well, that's good. That, yeah, that was doing... People um, who know you. Right, most of the interviewing. But I had to do a phone interview with them, which was kind of awkward because I've known these people, you know, by now for years and years. Sure. Uh, but I did a phone interview. The next day, I come into work because I was still working there on a contract. And <clears throat> when I got in, and I came in early, as soon as I come in, they told me, you need to go to the dean's office. And thought oh no so i went over to the dean's office and uh our dean at the time was a dr willen and i went in there and he told me to come in and have a seat and he's a he's a difficult man to read he's a nice guy Mm -hmm. but he's also one of those people that you get the impression you really don't want to see him angry (laughs) right (laughs) and sometimes you can't read his mood uh, he's a big guy, too. I, I think he played college football for Purdue. Oh, wow. Uh, or one of the schools in Indiana, but I, I think it was Purdue. So a real big guy. And I go in, I sit down at his table, and he's acting very stern. And he talks to me for maybe two or three minutes. He asked me a couple questions, and I answer him. And he offered me the job at that point. Oh, so you really you really had no idea why you were in there? No. You thought I, maybe you did something wrong. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Or... I thought he was calling me in, you know, since it was essentially right after my phone interview, Mm -hmm. to just go ahead and straight up tell me, no, we're not going to hire you. Uh, I just wanted to let you know. You know, I I thought it was, at the best, a courtesy, you know, that he was going to let me know. Sure. But no, that wasn't the case. So he offered me the job, and I accepted it at that point. And I told him, I said, I really appreciate you taking a chance on me. And I said, I promise I won't let you down. And he just responded, you better not. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, man, I really don't want to see that. Right. But, yeah, he was uh, he was very good to me. Uh, they've all been very good to me. I absolutely love the place. 
And so from from there, you're still here now. You're still there now. Right, yeah. So all in all, counting the time I spent there as a student worker, I guess I've been there for 11 years now. Wow. In total. Yeah, and... uh, And from that time, did you beef up your resume more than your more than your associates oh yeah absolutely so then i uh i had almost finished my bachelor's degree in nursing um, Mm -hmm. which was what i was still going to go ahead and pursue because that's where i have my degree sure but then i decided at that point to get a degree that was at least something along the lines of technology um so we have a program down there called technical and applied studies Mm -hmm. and they accept a lot of broad areas of coursework which i had a lot of credits where i had taken classes you know in several different areas over the years and uh, i was able to use that and then take another handful of courses and actually finish up my bachelor's degree in that here at mount west you Mm -hmm. can you can get one of our associate degrees Mm -hmm. go a third year here right and then out of proctorville you can right you yeah can, we've actually got a partnership you can with get you the the tas yeah. yeah because when when i interviewed scott way back in episode 10 and he was talking about the the advantages that were over there at ou that was one of the things we made sure to bring up the fact mm-hmm. that we have we have several students who've gone that path because it's a much cheaper option to go that path i really think honestly than going to marshall oh yeah absolutely it is yeah um, and one of the things i really liked about the tas degree was i was able to finish it all online yeah. And so that you was... You didn't have to go to Athens. Right. I didn't have to go at all. And it was a really good program. And I learned a lot in it. I would equate it probably to like a management information system style degree. Mm-hmm. Especially if you pick up the right associates along the way. It, it's probably relatively similar because it's got a lot of business uh, that's associated with it as well and management and things like that. When I, when I, I had to go back to... Um, I had to go back to Marshall to, to get full-time here at MCTC. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to expect at least a bachelor's degree. Right. And that's that's assuming that I was the one that was actually picked, you know, kind right. of like, you know, your situation. And so they have a program over there called the Regents Bachelors of Arts. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is it, it's a piecemeal bachelor's degree. You can bring in, I think, up to 64 hours from other fields. And then on top of that, I think they expect you to have 40 hours of 300 or 400 level classes that right. you get to pick. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make sure you hit your humanities and all that stuff. So right. I, I had already taken a, a boatload of classes here at the community college. And so I ended up cleaning out the art department of all their <laughs> photography classes and some IT classes through integrated science technology over there. And so I put that together, but mine's called a region's bachelor's of arts. Nowhere in there does it say technology at all. Right. So that's, that's a neat advantage to the TAS because you at least have the technical side of it in there. Right. It does say at least say technical. Yeah. But yeah, it is a good program and, uh, uh it, it teaches you a lot of stuff that you would need to know for more of a management-style position mm-hmm. in the technology field, too, because most of your topics are still going to be about technology. But then you have to write research proposals and you know, learn how to do things like that. Sure. And you know some stuff that's actually going to be important to you uh, if you're going to 
move up in the IT field. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, if you want to be an IT technician, an associate's degree is probably going to be adequate right. for that. But if you have any desire whatsoever to continue to move forward in that field so that you can eventually have a title and just sit in meetings all day. Right. <laughs> because that's what you're everyone need more degrees. That's what everyone dreams of. Right. When, when they're putting computers together, they say one day I'm going to be able to sit in a room and listen to people drone on and on and on and, and think, be, and be miserable. Why can't I be back in the, in the trenches? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's eventually what happens, you know, as you, in, in any field, Mm-hmm. Uh, if you move up far enough, you get to the point to where you don't even do the work anymore. Yeah. Um, or it could be worse. It could be Peter Principle, where they <laughs> where they kept on they they keep on promoting you so high to where you fell at a, at a, you know you you were a great technician, but you suck as a manager. Right. So now we're forced to fire you. <laughs> I was a great technician. You know, just why don't you leave me as a technician? Right. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, I would like to. To go a little higher up mm-hmm. the ladder, uh, you know, especially as I get a little bit older. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if when I'm in my late 50s and early 60s, if I'm still going to be able to crawl around in the ceilings and run, you know, Cat 6 or whatever the standard cable of the time is going to be. Or By that time, we'll use drones. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, you would almost have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would be a lot tougher to do as you get older. And I just kind of think about that sometimes. And I... That's kind of what's driven me. You mm-hmm. know, do I still want to do this exact stuff that I'm doing now 30 years from now? Maybe. I mean, if I sure. have to, I will. Right. But it's going to be a lot harder to get up out of the floor, you know, once I crawl under there and troubleshoot that, you know, bad UPS. And then it's going to be even worse when I got to put it up on a shelf over my head. <laughs> We're all going to have mechanical legs. Don't worry. <laughs> right. And flying cars. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's your biggest benefit to continuing on mm-hmm. to get a degree. That and, uh, I mean, it just helps you too. I mean, especially in our field, you spend as much time talking to people, in my opinion, as you do doing actual work. That's right. Uh, if not more. Yeah. And you need to be able to explain these things to these people. And you need to know how to talk to anyone at any level, um, you know, regardless of whether or not you're talking to a guy that has a PhD or, you know, some guy over here that, you know, has a GED. I mean, it shouldn't matter. You should be able to explain on whatever level, you know, of person that you're working with. Right. And, um, and I think the more educated you become, the more aware of some of the differences, especially in our area, we have the way our culture is around here. It goes to extremes very fast, in my opinion, from what I've seen. And you have some areas where people are very articulate, and then you have some areas where they're not. (laughs) And you have to be able to work with any of those groups of people Mm -hmm. if you're going to be successful um, in this line of work. Especially if you're not going to be working at one institution all the time. If mm-hmm. you're going to do what I did a lot and go out and do freelance work. Sure. And bounce around. I um, I was just thinking when you mentioned the whole the whole talking thing, there is an 
an inverse relationship, it seems, between communication and troubleshooting. Because mm-hmm. you might spend 45 minutes talking to somebody and getting down to the root of a problem mm-hmm. that'll take you five minutes to fix. Oh, yeah. On, on the flip side, you may walk in and you may not have communication skills whatsoever. And you may just be like, what's wrong? And you can't get them to explain it to you. And you may talk to them for five minutes. And then you may just like be like a blind man in the computer trying to figure out what's wrong for the next 45 minutes to an hour. Right. Because you were not able to to speak on their level to really diagnose and troubleshoot the problem. Right. Yeah, so. I mean, just learning to communicate with all the different types of people is really important. And you're also performing customer service. I mean, you know, even though as an IT person, you could probably make their job a little more miserable than they can make yours, mm-hmm. I assure you, they can still make you miserable. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, they, and, yeah. if you make them angry, yeah. or even if you're not intentionally doing it, but if you're just really failing, uh, with communicating with somebody, and they take it the wrong way. I mean, that can work out really bad for you, too. I know a lot of people just think, oh, well, you know, I'm the computer guy, so right. disable your Internet. Now you can't get on Facebook at work today. And, right. you know, ha-ha, and, you know, you got your revenge on him. But, I that, mean, that, that comes back to bite you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I find, you know, there are the people that are – maybe uptight might be a word for it that they they don't want to explain to anybody what they're doing right. and and I, I think they're they're very self-conscious mm-hmm. that if they explain to that person what they're doing that that person's going to have the same power they have and that person's going to take their job and right i mean you need you need to get over that you need to understand yeah. that if you're a good enough person, they're going to call you back. If you're already got that mentality about you, then yeah, maybe you should be paranoid about your job because right. you're probably not treating them very nicely. And that reminds me, I was working with one of our instructors. She said, how do you learn to do all this stuff? I said, well, you called me and told me what you wanted, and I Googled it before I come over here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now I'm showing you, you know, what, you know, what I saw in a video. <laughs> And I mean, a lot of times that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's really important too, knowing how to research problems. I don't have all the answers. Right. But I can probably find that answer mainly because I know enough about what I'm looking for that I can filter out all the useless stuff. Mm -hmm. So I can just skim through those and almost instantly find, you know, that one page that I'm going to need. So looking back at your at your trajectory, at your path getting here, or even thinking about your experience, do you have any advice or any takeaways that you would offer to people? Uh, or do you have any uh, funny stories or even or even teachable moments you think would be beneficial for people to hear about? Well, first and foremost, not even just in this field, but in any field, is to get a degree, even if you're not sure what you want to do, you might end up being an IT guy with a nursing degree. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, I mean, you never know, you know, where you're going to end up, but get a degree in something because from my experiences, most businesses care more about seeing that you actually had the drive to complete something mm-hmm. than being interested in what you're, you know, driven to complete. In the IT field specifically, Another thing I wish I would have known to do, especially from a programming standpoint, 
was knowing that I should keep a portfolio and knowing that when you go into situations where you're going to, you know, try to pick up a contract to do a database for someone, you know, they don't care what you're going to tell them. They want to see what you've done. Mm -hmm. And if you do not have a good portfolio with some examples of work that you've done and good work that you've done, not just every little, they don't want to see everything either. Sure. And, but you need to have a lot of stuff so that you can find them examples that are similar to what they want in your work. I wish I would have known that because over the years I've done so much different stuff and I couldn't go back and find it now if I had to. Sure. I would say also web design too. Yeah. Web design yeah. too. Any, uh, any type of coding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if it's real coding or markup languages or whatever, I mean, having some examples of your work also in the IT field, contributing to things uh, like forums and things like that can really get you a lot of places. I was reading an article the other day where a lot of employers that are hiring people with programming backgrounds and people that they want to be, you know, programmers and things like that, are now starting to look at how much they're contributing on GitHub. Hmm. They want to see how many problems they've helped solve without any reward, you know. So they can go on there and say, oh, well, look at all this stuff this guy's done and he genuinely likes doing this. You know, I'm not going to hire him and he's going to hate his job 10 minutes later. And Right. So, yeah, so I, I feel like you should contribute. You should keep a, a paper trail and a digital trail of everything that you ever do and get your degree. That's the best advice I could offer anyone. And when you do get lucky enough to get a job, don't blow it. Uh, do your job. Show up on time do what they ask you to do and go into it knowing that you're not going to like everything about it. You're, and if you, if you don't know, ask, I, yeah, I, I see that yeah, a lot absolutely. too. And don't be afraid to ask. I see so many people who, who are afraid to say, I don't know. So instead yeah. they'll basically hide the problem until, until what was a very small spark turns into a fire. Mm -hmm. And then there's so much more trouble than if they'd have just like swallowed their pride and said, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And yeah, you have to do that. You will find yourself in a very bad situation and you may fool everybody for 10 years, but they're eventually going to figure you out. And then when they do, that's a lot of time that you wasted mm -hmm. when you could have been doing things to better yourself and whoever you're working for. It's not, like you're going to want a new company to call that former employer and use them as a reference. Yeah, and if you've been there for five or ten years, then, I mean, your only other option is explaining that gap in your employment. <laughs> right. I was out of the country. Yeah. I was, on a, I was on a walkabout. Yeah, I mean, you better have a good explanation because people don't like that either. Right. I mean, anytime, especially for a guy, it's a little more understandable with a woman sometimes because of pregnancies and things like that. Sure. Uh, you know, but... For a guy to have a big gap in their employment history, that, that kind of looks unusual mm -hmm. to anybody. Otherwise, they're going to assume that you really just have a bad reference in that spot. Right. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> or at least I would yeah. if I look at it. That's what yeah. I'm going to assume. That's why that couple of years, I can't explain what was happening <laughs> yeah. there. So I was finding myself. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes. And, in a and very bad situation that, that, that I don't was, want to tell you about. That was my midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> you were 20 at that point. I got it over with. Yeah. Really, really early. Yeah. I'm not going to live long. <laughs> right. It was my midlife crisis. <laughs> I'll make it about 40. Yeah. I mean, I, I think those are some of the most important things um, to do. And those are all things that I wish I would have done when mm-hmm. I was a little bit younger, which I'm not that old. I'm 34. but Right. I would love to be able to go back and you know take all those years that I wasn't in college and go back and do something with those. But because, you but you did say mm-hmm. you got a boatload of experience from that. I did. Yeah. And which is why if you haven't done that mm-hmm. up to this point, sure. All is not lost. Right. You can still go in and you can fix it. Mhm. Uh, it's never too late right. either. I firmly believe in that. Right. Um, and we see that a lot. I'm sure you guys do here too. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of non-traditional students at Southern. Yes. And we have a lot of people who come back and they're in their 50s. Mm-hmm. And they're coming back to get a degree so they can move into a new line of work. Mm-hmm. I, I will say to kind of um, give a competing argument to what you said about, you know, go to college straight out of high school. We do often have a high percentage of returning students, mm-hmm. and um, not all of our students, of course. Most of our students are fantastic, but there are some of those students who show up, and the reason they're here is because mom and dad said I had to go do this. Yeah, and if if that's the mentality they're going to have, they're not going to. They're get, wasting their time. They're not going to get anything out of this. Yeah. Whereas you have the returning person who has the kids, who has the mortgage, who has all those other responsibilities and on top of that they're coming back here because they want to better themselves mm-hmm. so there was several people that i interviewed that said i had to withdraw from school because you know a family member died and i suddenly had to become the breadwinner but i also think it's probably one of the better things that happened to me it was a struggle for me to come back and get the degree but when i came back i absolutely knew what i wanted to do because of how hard of a struggle it was when i came back that right there told me it must be important to me if if I want to be here as hard as it is for me to be here right now. And yeah. so, you know, in, in their lives, they may not have had direction, but finally they did have direction once they had done some serious um, heavy thinking about what they wanted to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is important, but if you're not prepared for it, don't yeah. throw it away. Yeah. And don't come to school and fail out. You know, pick up a bunch of debt that you're not going to be able to pay off and it's going to prevent you from coming back. If you're not ready, you're just not. But so so if, maybe maybe we could modify what you said to say, don't think you don't need a degree. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably that, yeah. that's probably a better line. Because so. you'll need a degree. Now, whether you know what you want that degree to be in yet or not, then maybe you need to figure that out and, right. and, then, and then come in here. But... Um, you're definitely going to need a degree out there and certifications. Right. I think that's a good thing that OU is doing that Marshall has been short-sighted for because I have had – I can count on my hand about seven students who've come back here to MCTC taking classes who have their MIS degree from Marshall, mm-hmm. and they say they can't find a job because those jobs expect certifications. Right. Marshall – at least unless they've changed their tune now, Marshall does not cater to certifications because that's considered training and not learning. Mm-hmm. But I would say 
it's what the person needs to be employable. Right. So it's great to have a bachelor's degree, but if you still need that job, you need to also have the technical side of the certifications as well. And right. I think that I think that's great that Southern has that with all the classes we're doing over there with the A plus, the network plus, the security plus. Students can get those associate degrees or those certifications and then also move up into the uh, into the four year side of the fence, still graduate from the university with a four year degree with certifications under your belt. Right. And I think a lot of that is because your certification exams, they still are exams, but almost all of them are scenario driven. Mm -hmm. And so they put you in a situation where being a good student academically is not going to help you. You actually have to know how to solve that specific problem or you have to know how to get to the point to where you can solve that problem in order to pass that. Right. And so that's what you're going to get out of your certifications. And that Mm -hmm. lets an employer at a glance say, okay, I can hire this guy because he's got a CCNA and he's going to be able to do networking. Right. I know he can. Um, I hire a guy that's got a master's in comp science I honestly don't know what he's going to be able to do, you know. He apparently can come to work on time because yeah. he made the class on time. Right. So, so a degree does <clears throat> explain to them what your uh, your job culture may be. You yeah, apparently can and, show up. And your dedication. Yes. And your drive. Yeah. And your ability to succeed. Yeah. But not necessarily what you know how to do. Totally. I, I, I regularly tell students... I did I did photos for uh, for a couple one time for their uh, engagement well after 2001. You know, you mentioned you wanted to come to Marshall because you knew about Pruitt. Right. These people didn't go to Marshall till 2005. Mm-hmm. So what their excuse is, I don't know. <laughs> but the guy grew up in Hurricane and, um, you know, just above between Charleston and Huntington. He had never heard of Marshall University until... 2004. Wow. He had always heard of um, Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, WVU Mountaineers. Right. He was in Marshall. He was in Hurricane. That's like considerably closer to Marshall than. Yeah, 15 minutes away. Well, and I mean, and you've got Marshall's graduate college there in Charleston, right? So he's living in between two Marshall campuses. So I always joke (laughs) with students, I always say, your employer probably is going to say, Who's Mount West? Because yeah. if, if, if that person lived in Hurricane and they hadn't heard of Marshall University, then there's not a really good case that people are going to have heard of Mount West, technically. But I, So I right. tell them, I'm like, <clears throat> the certifications will tell them whether you know Microsoft, Cisco, security, that type of stuff. That's, that's their field. That's the business field. Right. But the degree will show them whether you're going to actually show up, whether you're going to stick with this job, if you can stick with something in general. Yeah. So they both serve a purpose. Well, and you guys also have the advantage of having uh, the agreement with Ohio University. Yes. To let students who finish up here or start mm-hmm. on a track here and then finish it up at OU. Yep. And most employers are going to know yes. who that is, even if yeah. they confuse it with the Ohio State University. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how which about, how which about may those even work out to your advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how, how, those Buckeyes are great. We uh, yeah. we uh, we threw that ball really far last week, didn't we? Yeah, totally. So I yeah. mean, 
Uh, you guys do have that going for you also. Yeah, yeah but that does seem unusual that he wouldn't know who Marshall is. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like, I would suppose if, you know, maybe the person you're talking to maybe is not a football person. So right. you, you never really know who they're going to know. But Yeah, and but, they are more sports-driven than academically, I guess, in the public eye. Mm-hmm. So, That's true. yeah, I guess that would make sense. And WVU, I mean, they've got some pretty big academic programs. and I think they have a whole department on couch burning, actually. Oh, well, they have set the standard. <laughs> yes. Yes, they have. It's, it's hard to beat number one. So, well, Randy, thank you so much for coming and sitting down with me and, and telling me about your path to this. Because some people, some people may listen to this and say, I'm not where I want to be. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of portion of your path, you actually said at certain portions, I don't like this technology stuff. I'm not where I want to be. Right. And you switched gears. And in your case, you did circle back. But there was a lot of decisions you made that took you where you need to be. And so someone may listen to this and say, okay, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll take a deep breath. Maybe in three days, my former employer will call me back right. <laughs> and, and offer me back my job. But uh, the idea is take a breath, think about what you want to do, and then follow through. Yeah. So thank you very much, sir. Uh, thanks for having me, Patrick. So that's going to do it this week for Talk on Tech. As a reminder, we have a Twitter account at Talk on Tech MCTC, and we have new email addresses and website at talkontechpodcast.com that is the website there is a patrick at talkontechpodcast.com there's a josh and yes there's also a scott if you want to email scott and you can always use our old email address of talkontech at gmail.com so that's going to do it for us this week have a great week